Hello and welcome everyone to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we talk about our love for the holidays throughout the year and the fun we have through them. Today we have four moons with us to talk about the holidays. Uh, we're specifically going to talk about Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> so introducing them? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm Cole Moon, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get into the the history of uh, of Halloween in the U.S. and sort of its development from Irish immigrants, as we sort of talked about last week, and their pagan festivals and how they evolved in New England. And then over the course of time, up into sort of the contemporary area, you know, what you think of when Halloween really took off in the 30s and then the 50s. And I'm Sydney. I'll be ho- talking about the horror genre today. I'm Beth. And on my holiday family tradition segment, I will be talking about traditions that Randy and I had growing up. So that would have been in the 70s and 80s. And this is Randy. And today I'm going to talk about holiday parties, parties we've had and the party planning process we go through. Just a reminder to everyone that we're on Instagram at Holiday Moons with an S at the end and we're also on Twitter at Holiday underscore Moons. So the first segment today is Holiday Happenings for the Week. Does anybody have anything to share for Holiday Happenings? I do. You do? I do. So I made these delicious apple cinnamon cookies. They are wonderful for fall. Mainly because they're cinnamon and they have apples in them and it's delicious. They are delicious. It can be found at two sisters, let's see, two sisters crafting dot com. Can you can you give us the whole the whole web address? HTTP slash <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that up to your imagination. The whole link. <laughs> That's right. They're very easy to make and they have delicious frosting on top. It also has more cinnamon and everybody seems to love them. They're just yep. a Great fall addition to our baking list. Yep, they are incredible. Yes, I greatly enjoyed them as well. They're yes. very, very good. I am enjoying them, yes. I think you said, <laughs> where were these all our lives? Yes. Because they're everything we enjoy about holidays and Holiday fall. cookies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> fall cookies, yeah. Yes, and thank you for making those. Uh, also, I do have another thing. Uh, Sydney, Beth, and I all got to go to Great Country Farms in Bluemont, Virginia, yesterday to go apple picking although several people were also pumpkin picking already yeah, yesterday so this was after a, a week or so of heavy rains in the area so it was a beautiful day yesterday in the low 70s uh, we thought what a great day to go apple picking a million other people also thought what a great day we went kind of <laughs> late did. in the day which was good uh, a lot of people were leaving there was a lot um, of young children and young parents yeah there. lots of families yeah. so we and dogs When you get there, you pay to go in. I think it was, uh, you pay to get a wristband once you park. The wristband gets you beyond the um, store area. And then you can hop onto a, uh, one of two tractor rides. Mm -hmm. They take you either to the apple side or to the pumpkin side. And then you're um, let out and they have signage there to decide, you know, what you want to get, what kind of apples are in season, those sorts of things. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure you can call ahead and find out what apples are still available because the apples they had there we weren't that familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. or as familiar, yeah. Right. Now, unfortunately, what we didn't plan for <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> were the streams of running water everywhere and the mud. thick mud. Yes. Big puddles, big mud puddles. So it was actually uh, very difficult to get around the apple orchard. Uh, we had to do a lot of 
back and forth uh, switchbacking to find paths that were... Try to find dry patches. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was after we had already gotten our feet pretty muddy, so... Yes. yes. I'm sure it'll dry out this week, but it was a it was, muddy affair. It was so muddy. Yes. <laughs> it was hard to... It's hard to even describe. It is hard it to is. describe. Because it's like it was under the grass even. Yes. Like you couldn't, you couldn't just say, "Oh, there's grass," and step on it. No, because you might your mush. foot might sink on down into right. the mud and the wet. Right. But we got our apples. We and, did. They're delicious. And they're very good apples. And the we love the farm. It's a great farm. Yeah. Uh, it very has a picturesque. lot of a lot of activities for kids. Yes, um, that's true. If you've got family, uh, it's a fun place for that as well. So. And it is, like Sydney said, very picturesque. Yeah, very picturesque, very Hallmark-like. Everybody in their cute, <laughs> cute fall clothes. Yes. So that was very fun. Okay, so we're going to transition to our first segment of today's show, and that is uh, Cole's segment on history. So as we talked about last week, uh, Halloween first originated in the British Isles, or uh, maybe with the Brythonic Celts in mainland Europe, but that's I don't think that we came to a... A historical conclusion about that last week. I don't think. With a couple of pagan traditions and festivals, the most common of which is Samhain, um, and it evolved over time with a meshing of Roman traditions and then Catholic traditions, and traveled over into the United States with uh, with the Irish immigrants after the potato famine, um, and then it meshed with Native American traditions and came a little closer to the Halloween that we see here in the United States today. So among these traditions was an early form of trick-or-treat, which involved going from house to house, asking for food or money during the festivities. Uh, The practice itself originated a little earlier in Europe, or much earlier in Europe, depending on what source you go to. But people would dress up in animal furrows early on, and then later would dress up as demons or ghosts. So sources diverge a lot on the subject of trick-or-treating, and a lot say that um, it started as a medieval practice in Europe, and a lot associated with going from house to house and receiving food or something like that in exchange for prayers or blessings. Uh, Sometimes, you know, the people going from house to house would be what you would think of as everyday people. I'm not going to say middle-class people because everybody in medieval Europe was poor except for the aristocracy. But sometimes, some sources say that it's the, the actual poorest of the poor, the homeless, things like that. Some sources claim that people dressed up as demons because they believed that demons roamed the earth and they didn't want to be recognized as people, so they dress up as demons to disguise themselves. Um, And some say that it was something that was at least initially sanctioned by the Catholic Church, uh, though there would have probably been a lot more dressing up as holy angels or saints than demons, but there, there would have been some people still dressing up as demons. So are you saying that they dressed up because they didn't want to be recognized as they went door to door? I'm saying that I found a lot of different sources saying a lot of different things. Oh, okay. So it was hard to tell. Yeah, so it was hard to tell. Um, So what sources sort sort of seem to agree on is that there was a practice of going door to door getting food in exchange for prayers and and blessings like that that happened in you know in medieval europe and there was also a practice of dressing up as demons but sort of the the origin of that is sort of a little more more ambiguous like maybe it was something that was sanctioned by the catholic church or maybe it was something that sort of local communities would have done 
to avoid getting snatched up by demons, you know, dressing up as them to... Oh, to disguise themselves. So they're disguising themselves from other demons. From other demons that, that were that were roaming the earth. Then oh, right. okay, gotcha. they would get snatched. So was it normally and you may be getting ready to address this, was this normally at a certain time that the force of the poor got to do this? I, I assume that it was. I assume that it was during festivals, right. Yeah. Um the Catholic Church liked to commission days to do things, so it right. was likely it was likely during certain festivities, things like that, or local, um, local, you know, communities with paganistic roots would have uh, would have done this around the time that they would have normally done their festivals and that kind of thing. I would imagine at least Halloween really started to boom as a nationwide holiday in the early 20th century CE in the United States when it started to become a more secular holiday and abandoned its sort of All Hallows Day kind of uh, Catholic, religious, honoring the saints kind of roots. It died off a little bit during the Second World War because of things like rationing and and all of that. But it picked up again during the 1950s. And during that time, it started to be more centered around children than the entire community. Um, And sort of more specifically, the, the nuclear family model. Halloween parties and events were held in homes... And people handed out candy to children to avoid having tricks played on them. Both the trickery and the dressing up in terrifying costumes uh, was sort of, you know, easily traced back to festivals and their belief in demons and malevolent spirits. Sort of, you know, people believed that these spirits would, would play tricks on them. So that sort of that translates. But Halloween since then has evolved into a, a secular holiday and has increasingly become more popular annually. Every year, every year, it became more popular, starting sort of, you know, back in the 50s. I was just thinking that back in the 50s, it made sense. It was kind of the perfect holiday for that era when, you know, people coming back from the war, they were starting to industrialize, take advantage of the industrialized America. Nuclear families with their own homes in the suburbs became very popular, very... Um, like some, something people saw. So the Halloween concept where you would go door to door, you know, meeting your neighbors and ringing doorbells, that you would have parties where you could invite friends over again right. from your neighborhood, fit right into that model that became very popular during that time. Right. Well, and also before that, it had sort of been something that was run by the entire community. Mm-hmm. So this this also fits this more sort of individualistic, each person does their own thing. And, it, you know, it's a community event, but the entire community doesn't plan right. this right. one thing. So it's it's much more of that individualistic right. American, you know, outlook on things in a sort of in a new, I guess, Cold War era. Right, right. Post-World War II. Post-World War II, yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, era. So it is, it's obviously extremely popular today. The second most popular holiday in the United States, if you want to look at uh, its profitability at least, right. definitely the second most popular holiday in the United States after uh, after Christmas. And a lot of people that I know uh, prefer Halloween over Christmas. They say it's their favorite holiday. I don't think any of us any of the four of us here prefer it over Christmas. No, but I thought, <laughs> but I thought about you know it is it is probably when you ask people about their favorite holiday, for most people I bet it comes down to those two choices. Those two. I can't think of any other holidays that people really Easter. Some probably might but, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think 
I'm not sure most... I don't think I've ever met anyone whose favorite holiday is Easter. Yes. Yeah. It's something I'd like to do is start to ask people, um, yeah, even for the good. podcast, what their favorite holiday is. Mm-hmm. Or their second or third favorite. If it always is right. either <laughs> Christmas, Halloween, okay, what's what the third one? Right. What's, what's your third one? <laughs> right. Um... Yeah, Sorry, I mean St. Patrick's Day, maybe <laughs> all, all the drinking and yeah, some Valentine's people really like Day. that. Yeah, Valentine's Day, Mother's yeah. Day. Well, Valentine's Day, I mean, with the flower industry and candy industry, probably get a boost. Right. My right. personal favorite is my birthday. <laughs> it's not a holiday. birthday. <laughs> <Most> for me. <laughs> it's a holiday if you take off for it. That's right. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, and Halloween has sort of have has moved past the dressing up as as demons and everything like that and it's sort of now people dress up as well dress up as like animals or fantasy things or characters from their favorite you know media or jobs that they want like little you know candy or food or food right um but like little kids will dress up as like firemen or policemen or something like that and 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 the idea of sort of the the demons and the malevolent spirits and all of that was you know was the initial was the foundation of of Halloween and all the the spooky stuff, and that translated from from Halloween into into the media and with the and with the popularization of films like uh, like Nosferatu. So I sort of you know starting it off in you know nineteen twenty two or or twenty three whenever that came out, and then was that Dracula? No, that was Nosferatu. But what is, is there? Is it just what is it? Yeah, it was it was a vampire movie. Okay, okay. Oh. Um, I knew I recognized it. Very fancy name, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah, very very fancy. Back to his cousin. It, you don't hear a lot of kids name that anymore. No. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I, I, Dracula is a lot more popular, and I still don't hear kids name name Dracula. True. True. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go ahead. Um. But but even that, even the the horror movie, like during during the eighties, it was all it was all monster movies. As you get into the nineteen nineties and then the two thousands, you start seeing a shift of horror from uh, from monsters to people. With you know films coming out much more focused on like serial killers and like mm-hmm. you get you get a lot more. Um, nowadays, you get a lot more Hannibal Lecter's and Michael Myers than you get Dracula and the Wolfman. Right. Um, but that's sort of, that's getting into the, the psychology, the evolution of, you know, horror movies and all of that. So I am not a huge fan of the horror genre. <laughs> and I am not either. Yeah. So I was not raised on horror movies or anything like that. I, I do not like gore. I do not like things jumping out at me. I don't think I want to meet the person who was raised on horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Uh, <laughs> but that, that, some, that's quite a thrill you know, that, that would make a great premise for a horror movie. <laughs> that would be. That would be. So... Before I begin my research on the horror genre and kind of um, what that is all about, I won't be um, necessarily getting in too deep, but just the generalistics, but I had to understand why people like horror. <laughs> and just just to say it, I love horror movies. Cole does. I do. I, I love horror movies. And and I liked them when I was when I was growing up too. I never got to like watch them right. with with my parents or anything. It was one of those things that my mom that you know, mom always uh wanted to keep me from watching for some yeah. reason 
But yeah. you know, I to was save your soul to save to save my else. my soul. Um, right, save my soul. So that's why we dressed up as demons each year to to keep all the demons from you know snatching from you snatching too. us. Yeah. Right, the times that we were a ballerina. Um, Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, yes, that, that really. Have you us. seen Thomas the Tank Engine again since you've been an adult? <laughs> There's Maybe. there's some demonic no there is not demonic works going anyways, on in that in anyways, that show. but um moving on to why people like to be afraid so in my research there there's surprisingly a number of research on like brain chemistry and fear and when I was trying to look it up is that surprising well it depends on the type of fear like I was trying to I was trying to look at fear and Halloween and why people like to be scared. That's a good thing to wonder. Because I, I, I just it's so I, foreign exactly, to me. Exactly. Exactly. Me too. So there is a chemical response to thrilling situations and what horror movies do to some people is it's that sort of fight and flight response without an actual something there to threaten you. So it's that thrill. So what can happen is one of the main hor- hormones released during scary and thrilling activities, not just movies, but just ac- but activities in general, is dopamine, which is the happy chemical in our brain. So once that release, yeah. once it releases, some individuals may get more of a kick from this dopamine response than others do. Clearly we don't, but for others, it's very much that thrill response. So... For instance, when people come home and they want to relax them from work, some people play mindless games, others may watch TV, others may do puzzles or some type of challenging activity. Others like this thrill they get from movies. When they're watching horror movies, they're not worried about the bills. They're not worried about something going wrong with their car. They can just others, be in the moment. Other stresses in life that exactly. take a back seat to being scared out of your wits. That's right. That's Which right. is, and I imagine that's sort of like why people uh, like to theorize, um, well, like to watch like zombie movies and theorize about zombie movies because mm-hmm. in a zombie movie, sort of your only goal is is survival. That's right. that's the that's the only thing you don't have. It's sort of this this weirdly worst case and best case scenario for a person where all you have to worry about is surviving and. You don't have to worry about, you know, bills or if your boss sucks or, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. Right. And And you also get the threat of it. There isn't actually a threat of a zombie attack. Right. Unfortunately. For those of us who have that, you know, that idealized scenario. That's right. So So first of all, I had to do the research to understand why people like it. The next step was to kind of research where it came from. So in my research, what kept popping up was this, um, was first gothic novel and arguably the start of the gothic horror genre that we know today. It's called The Castle of, I might be pronouncing this wrong, but it's called The Castle of Otranto or O-T-R-A-N-T-O. Otranto? Otranto. Otranto. I think so, yeah. O-T-R-A-N-T-O. That's right. So basically the novel initiated a literary genre which became extremely popular in the later 18th and early 19th century. So it was written in 1764 by a man named Horace Walpole. And he was fascinated by medieval history, kind of like Cole has been saying, like um, demons, witches, all, all that kind of 
thinking and thought process he was kind of fascinated with. And he even ended up building in 1749 a fake gothic castle an entire fake gothic castle where did he do that let's see i don't know well here england i would imagine that's yeah. where he was from so guess the name of this castle otranto <laughs> <laughs> close no it's called strawberry hill castle oh, oh. strawberry hill house i'm well, sorry well, that's hill delightful house. that is delightful strawberry hill house not strawberry Hell, yeah, that's hell. correct. Okay. Okay. Yes, you and it, it quickly, is in London. So it, it sounded it's like... Hill, H I L L. Yeah, so it sounds like a lovely place to be, and it looks the the pictures are quite lovely. So, hmm. so yes, but so he he loved medieval history. He created this book, the Castle of Otranto, tells the story of Manfred, Lord of the Castle, and his family. The book begins on the wedding day of his sickly son, Conrad, and Princess Isabella. So I don't know about you, but already in my mind, I have the scene from, um, I have the scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail on the, the wedding day. So this is a very much, so Monty Python and the Holy Grail, yes, is a spoof movie it's very funny and i'm and it has one of the scenes of someone in a castle with a sickly son getting married so i'm already kind of thinking um about <laughs> the this. funny side of it that's yeah. right this, this is obviously going to be a lot more funny to anyone who's familiar with that movie and that right. yeah. if you haven't seen it definitely um go look it up it is not for young children True. So, this, shortly before the wedding, however, Conrad is crushed to death by a gigantic helmet that falls on him from above. This inexplicable event is particularly ominous in light of an ancient prophecy that the castle and the, yeah, and the lordship of Otranto should pass from the present family whenever the real owner should be grown too large to inhabit it. <laughs> huh. So I, that's a lot to take in there. Yeah. Yeah. So Manfred terrified so that the, the, the father terrified that the death of his son signals the beginning of the end for his line resolves to avert destruction by marrying the princess himself while simultaneously divorcing his current wife. Yeah. And his wife who um he feels that his wife has failed to bear him a proper heir, which is funny because he had a son until he died. You know? <laughs> so, so he's not proper. He's dead. Right. I'm so. now. So basically, mayhem ensues and just all, all kinds of stuff happens. So the impact of this of this book, the, this book is generally credited um, with creating the entire Gothic novel genre. It was a smash hit in its day. It was at least until the author revealed that it was satire, Fiction rather than an actual adaptation of medieval text. So then people weren't very oh, happy. People thought it was real? People thought it was real. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> that an actual large helmet fell and ma- on and the kid. And the sickly yes. boy. And, um, well, so yeah, people weren't very, weren't very happy about that. But it is generally credited to be the start of the horror genre. So with that said, what is the horror genre and the different types of subcategories within that genre? So I didn't realize that there was quite a fair amount. So I'll just be going over a few with you today. So there are generally four genres. Within the horror genre? So four subgenres within horror, yeah. Subgenres, yes. All right, within the horror genre, there are four subgenres. Psychological, killer, monster, 
and paranormal. So psychological, killer, killer monster, monster, and paranormal. And paranormal, okay. That's right. Psychological, killer, monster, and paranormal. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot one, too. So there's five. And I forgot gore and disturbing because I don't like that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the fifth so one? Fun. Yeah, so that's gore the fifth one. Interesting. So within gore and disturbing, it's the typical torture, splatter. I think splatter is very common nowadays. Right. Just the... Yeah, I yeah, mm-hmm. definitely don't like that. But a lot of people do. There's cannibal. And then there's extreme. And that's all gore? That's all under gore and disturbing. <laughs> and disturbing. And cannibal... There's something beyond it more extreme than cannibal. Apparently. <laughs> okay. Don't know what that is. Don't know if I want to find that out. But um, under psychological, there's phobia and isolation. There's madness and paranoia. Hmm. There's home invasion, which I think is kind of under paranoia as well. But, there, I mean, it's its own little separate. Well, I mean, I imagine the home invasion, like... It can be real. Yeah. Oh. Like, you're not paranoid if, like, there's someone that's, like, in Actually your house. To, yeah, and yeah. he's just like, well, stop being paranoid. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just in your house. <laughs> but I think some of these kind of can be a combination of those different subcategories. So, like, mm-hmm. home invasion could be psychological, but it can also be under the killer. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So under killer, obviously, there's slasher. There's crime. There's backwoods and redneck. That is its own <laughs> subcategory. Yeah. Under monster, you have the typical vampire, werewolf. You think of the classic black and white movies. There's like that that thing from the from the Black Lagoon or whatever. Creature uh, from, the from the Black Lagoon. Uh-huh. from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. You have neo monsters, animals in nature, because. That's scary, too. Like, like the birds. Like the birds. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. There are small creatures. Ants. Gremlins. Ants. Yeah. Gremlins. Spiders. Good, good one. Biblical. Gremlins. Good Christmas movie. That's perfect. <laughs> so under Monster, they had, Zombie has its own separate like little, little niche. There's the undead, and then there's the virus. Right. Oh, yes. Yes. Mm. Two options. Yes. That's right. Two, two lovely, lovely options. There. They also have like alien giant monsters and classic and mythological. There's paranormal, which is ghost spirits, kind of like what Cole was talking about earlier with what people. So that would be like demons and stuff would fall under. That's yeah. right. Possession, haunted house. Oh, poltergeist, the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Devil and demon and hell. <laughs> no. That's all put together. Just going to go straight for the. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, witches and occult. And the supernatural, anything after all of that. Hmm. Like the Marvel characters. That's yeah. no, that's no. not far. Oh, supernatural. <laughs> they are supernatural. No. Okay. It's a subcategory. It has to still be under the horror genre. Um, it's it's funny though. What uh, what among those genres has stuck around in sort of yeah. the contemporary? Like we're in you know 2018 right now. So, like giant monsters. Not really a thing anymore. Not unless you have nostalgia for Godzilla. No, but like as far as uh, horror movies go, they're not like, I mean, you kind of, Cloverfield wasn't really scary, but you kind of, Cloverfield was the last big monster one that I can think of uh, that had a lot of success in the horror, in the horror genre, but Mm -hmm. in like the the little creatures uh, <laughs> genre. I think that's an underrated like <laughs> subgenre. Little creatures freaked me out when I was a little kid. Like yeah, um, like you know those the the cryptid creatures like the chupacabra and um, like Sasquatch and stuff like that. There was one that was just like this story of like like these little like 
demon monkey things that would like swarm you and eat you if you were on this certain island and that re- that really freaked me out when i was a kid what yeah did you read that? so i you don't know but like chupacabra and bigfoot are little like when she said little creatures no I those about. those were examples of cryptids no not, yes not of so the, these little creatures were the things on right. this this island mm-hmm. um so if any filmmakers want to contact me about the, <laughs> <laughs> the little yeah. monkey creatures on the island horror movie, I'm For an explanation. open. I think, um, we have a lot of prey mantis out here, and I think they are way <laughs> underrated when it comes to scary. If those, if I saw one my size, mm-hmm. that thing would be horrifying. Yeah, yeah they, they, I'm so glad they they're their heads like they're looking at you yes. through the window. <laughs> I How to eat you. <laughs> and they eat their, their female. They eat their mates. Right. Yeah, so. I think it would make a great psychological. Thriller, the praying mantis, you know, like it could be not, horror, not even not even human size, just like you know, like all these traps and stuff that you keep like almost dying, and you look around, it's the same praying mantis just looking at you from <laughs> from some unreachable place, and you know it's his fault, but you you can't tell anybody because he's a praying mantis. Now I like praying mantis, and I I we have lots of them here, but I just have thought about the fact I am so glad I am much bigger than you. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. More than spiders? I think so. I think so. They are, they are, they look a little more intelligent than a spider does. They do. Spiders are horrifying. Spiders are. Spiders are a walking horror movie. They are. <laughs> but I guess spiders are hunters, like by nature. They're predatory. Right. I don't know though, because, yeah. Because you can't really see a praying mantis. Well, I guess that's the idea of it. I feel like I'd be able to see a giant praying mantis. But right. right, yes. Hmm. Yeah. I'm just wondering how much we're going to have to cut out of this this <laughs> video of this uh, praying mantis conversation. <laughs> well, as amusing as that was. <laughs> so, Netflix now has their list of fan favorite titles for Halloween. Some examples for the October, October time frame. Let me just clarify that. So, some examples are The Shining, Truth or Dare. I'm just going to list just a few of them. Don't know all of them. Some more Netflix originals, such as Creeped Out. It says it's a modern day, are you afraid of the dark meets Black Mirror type of creepy series. Something to look at. Apostle, The Curious Creatures of Christine. No, The Curious Creations of Christine McConnell. Oh, I I expected a C last name there. Wickedly Talented Baker and Artist. (laughs) 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 Wickedly Talented. Like that's wicked talent, man. (laughs) I'm guessing it's more than just very talented. Maybe. Wicked sometimes. Mm -hmm. The Haunting of Hill House. Again, a Netflix original. Some of these people recognize like The Shining. Others will be Netflix originals or coming back to Netflix. Um, I remember watching a few horror movies on Netflix myself, and one of them is Babadook. Yes, it's a psychological horror movie. Of the horror genres, I prefer psychological versus like slasher or anything like that. Hmm. Slasher holds up. I think slasher had its sort of its heyday back in uh, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, back when they used practical effects for everything. I think that was sort of when you got the best slasher movies Mm because the modern ones just don't hold up very well compared to the you know modern psychological thrillers that are coming out now right right and i remember with babadook i remember watching it and so i graduated with a degree in psychology and um i actually didn't mind that one because they i think they tried to put in psychological phrases and things into the movie and at some point i just had to stop because um did you watch it for a class did mm-hmm. the class no 
Why did you decide to watch it? You just thought, oh, I'm going to try. Yeah. Okay. That's just beyond mom's uh, comprehension that somebody would just watch a horror movie. It wasn't gory. It wasn't anything like that. It was, I could tell it was trying to really be a good psychological film and... Just didn't cut it for you? Um, no, not as... Not as someone who graduated with a psychology degree and understood all the terms fully that they were kind of tossing around. Yeah, yeah. But um, some people like it, and you know, Netflix has more coming out for Halloween. So feel free to look at it, look it up if you have Netflix, and enjoy from there if you like the horror genre. Incredibly friend. Yes. Okay, so I am talking about. Holiday family traditions. Yes. So, uh, last last podcast we talked about um, the kids, Sydney and Cole, when they were growing up, and traditions we did then and still do now. They got us thinking about what we did when we were growing up, Brandy and I, which was the, which would have been the seventies and eighties. So, what kind of things uh, did we do? So, for, first of all, it, I was thinking about the decorating, and I, you know, I don't have. A great memory of a lot of a lot of the Halloween traditions. I know I did them, but I don't remember specifically. So I had to call my mom and my brothers. And mom reminded me that as far as decorating, she had a lot of like little plastic things, like little plastic smiling ghost or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think we did had some paper things to put on the to put on the windows. And I know that she had stuff up from our school crafts, the crafts that were made in school. So, so for decorating. So, you know, did you did you do like Halloween crafts in school? Was that like around? Yes, yes we did a around lot that of time. Halloween. That was so. Yep. Okay, that's. We did a lot of Halloween crafts and yeah, fall crafts, and they were like ghosts and pumpkins. I remember a lot of pumpkins, jack o' lanterns, right? Yeah. Um, but it was like scarecrows. Scarecrows. Cats, yeah, pumpkin patches, and mm. um, there's probably witches. I mean, back then, yeah. we, we were very politically incorrect. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> right. Care. So, so, scarecrows. So, you grew up on a, on a farm for a while. Do you feel like that was just an excuse to get a bunch of kids to make scarecrows for farmers? <laughs> like, were they probably. making you, like, make actual scarecrows for them? <laughs> yeah, we, they were actually, like... Construction paper. It wasn't oh, like okay. we'd stuffed scare, real scarecrows. Well, it could have been very small crows. <laughs> it could have been. That would have been very small. That'd be very alarming if, like, they landed on some corn and looked down. It's like, oh, there he is, scarecrow yes. hiding down there. The paper decorations I remember researching date back to the 30s. The 1920s and 30s became very popular. And it, when you looked at pictures, they actually had some uh, websites that had some pictures of decorations those paper wall decorations uh-huh. um, some of those decorations still exist even to today they just carry forward one i'm thinking of specifically is that skeleton that flat skeleton yep. with the uh, riveted joints yep. where it's little arms and um, different <laughs> things could yep. move around yeah that was that type of decoration is a decoration we had in our schools and streamers and things like that we had one in our house i oh. remember that skeleton in our house yes that as was, a kid yeah is it still there? Is it in a closet? It, it seemed to have a happy face. So I don't think it was a scary skeleton. Well, it was good. just a skeleton. But we would even pull it out, of course, at Halloween. That's sure. Right. <laughs> Every other time of the year, it stayed in the closet. Or wherever it Skeletons was. Skeletons in, in, in the closet. <laughs> in the china closet. We always joke that my mom has 
an inordinate number of things in the china closet. So, so I was like, oh, did you pull that out of the china closet? Kind of funny. Just a family joke. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> As I was trying to explain it, I realized it wasn't, it probably is funny to everybody, but it was. So, uh, Randy, we, what, do you remember having decorations when you were growing up and what kind of decorations were they? So we had uh, several Halloween decorations as children. When we were growing up, something that was very popular that must have just came into being was the um, preset ceramic pieces that you could pick and then your primary responsibility was painting it. So you could... Oh, that's nice. Pick something, yeah, a jack-o'-lantern or a ghost or a little scene and then you take it off paint it and they would glaze help you glaze it fire it and then you would have that so we had kids adults no adults did this oh wow Um, okay and my mom liked this sort of thing she would either buy it or or she actually did it herself Um, and she did a lot of homemade crafts we'll talk more about that at christmas because she did a lot of homemade crafts at christmas time but we had some of these things um halloween but it was mostly the paper the wall decorations, things we could put on our windows, right. those sorts of things for Halloween. Right. I was thinking as you were talking, you know, there, there are different times um, to look at. One is when we were younger, right? And then as we got a little older, because I remember selling, um, I had this big box of stuff that I, would, I had to sell for band when I was in band. So I remember going to all the neighbors, pulling out all my stuff. So I was probably seventh grade at this point. Pulling out all my stuff and showing it to them. And they all bought something. Sure. But I remember that there were there was this little candle. And it had um, some little ghosts around. It was like a, a ceramic. And a little candle in the middle. And I think mom got that. Because I remember that really distinctly. Um, so as we get old, got older, things like the porcelain stuff. Not the fancy glaze stuff your mom did. But just regular purchasing it became more popular. The other thing I remember as a kid in school that we did that I got um, Halloween books from was Scholastic Books. Yes, the, where that was you so were fun. given a sheet. It seemed like it was random when these things kind of showed up in your classroom. Yeah. And then it had, it was like a, almost like a colored newspaper that showed a number of books. A uh, little write-up. Right. And either, how much it was. Right. And they were discounted books. And they were discounted and you took the sheet home and you kind of talked to your Parents, you convince them which things you may want to buy. Yep. Your parents negotiated with you down from thirty <laughs> things down to maybe two. Um, if you had like, if you had wealthy your parents, parents, were great negotiators. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Class. If you were, yeah, if you, if you, yeah, if you were, if you didn't have wealthier parents, you only got to do this now and then. But it was still really exciting. It was very exciting, and then you turned it in, and then a random number of weeks later, you would get these these in. Yeah. And there seemed like it was timed. So that you got it before Halloween, you got it before Christmas, and then you got it maybe at the end of the year sort of thing. So maybe three times during a school year. And that, I got a number of Halloween books over the years that way. You know, I remember remember getting a book, and it's one of the few books I've ever had about Dracula. And kid book? Yeah, it was like this little... <laughs> no, it was Bram Stoker's <laughs> Dracula. Yeah, it was like a very small book. It did book. say scholastic books. <laughs> it, um, it was small. It had like little cartoon vampire in it. But I remember I read the whole thing. 
Mm-hmm. And then I stayed up for so many days. <laughs> I mean, it was this little cartoon for actual living. But I'm telling you, I remember um, being so scared. And I used to think my um, my one, my brother lived. I'm sorry. Yes, my brother lived. My brother uh, and he I. Was not <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't a zombie. He. Um, my brother and I shared a room, and he was on the bottom of the bunk beds. He was on the bottom bunk. So I remember after reading this book, I would put stuffed animals all around me and lay there and hope that Dracula got him first. <laughs> I don't know if I ever told him that. Um, but yes, I would be like, oh, he'll get him. And then while he's getting him, I'll definitely hear so I can run. Yes, I had the same thought process that between my magic sheets or blanket and putting stuffed animals in front of me. Yes, to guard you. And being further away from the door because there was three yes. of us boys sleeping in single beds in a room. Right. So as long as I was the closest to the door and I had my stuffed animals in front of me. Yep. I was safe. Yep. I have no idea why I thought that. I know. But that's what I thought. It's it a so classic funny. like monster under the bed. You think Calvin and Hobbes and that classic um, cartoon strip, right? All the monsters for some reason couldn't get out from under the bed. Right. But could try to grab you if if you got if out of the bed. Right. <laughs> right. So um, that's so funny because as you were talking about Scholastic, that just popped into my head. Yeah. Um, and I remember just, I was so scared that um, I would do anything to to stay up with mom and dad. So I, I don't even know what all I did. I don't know if I was crying or begging. And I mean, this was nights. And my, my dad was getting sick of it. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> and he was like, she, I think she's just faking it. I remember him saying, I think she's just faking it. And I thought, I don't care what he thinks. As long as I get to be down here. <laughs> Why the vampire get to my brother first? <laughs> That's right. He's loaded up there now. <laughs> When I was really little, I had a vivid imagination and sometimes scared myself where I couldn't sleep at night. And I would call for my mom to come lay in bed with me until I fell asleep, right? When I was really little, probably maybe four kind of time frame. And I remember at one point, um, maybe five even, I remember uh, thinking about vampires and Dracula and that whole scary concept. And I called for my mom and she came and laid down with me. Then I wondered... What if she's a vampire? <laughs> that was a little too willing to come into my bed. I thought, I thought, oh just, no, I've invited her. <laughs> in. <laughs> then, I mean, you have to be invited in. I'm like, oh no, I just invited her into my bed. <laughs> so yes. that's so funny. Yeah. So um, I think I got my imagination from you. <laughs> yes, I, I bet. Yeah. that's clearly where you got it. Yeah. So that was. How did, we got one from decorating. I guess we went to schools. Yes. What we did yeah. in schools. And Halloween books. And we decorated with stuff in schools. That's true. Yeah. So that just proves that <clears throat> cartoons do not make everything better. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. And that, be, that began my understanding of who I am as a person and how the horror genre and I don't mix very well. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, so anyway, I was thinking about costumes. When I was growing up, we had plastic costumes. So you you purchased this little box, and it was a kit, and it had a mask, a plastic mask with a rubber band behind it. So that's what how you affixed it to your head, and a um, some kind of little plastic outfit. But it was very simplistic. But I remember tying it in the back of my neck. So you right. stepped into it and you tied it. And the mask covered just your face. 
with no depth. Like it didn't go over your ears. It just went right. And you, and you had two little eye holes and a little couple holes for your <laughs> no, nose, but not because you're much. breathing in and out of and your mask. And a little slash for maybe, the mouth, I think. Maybe for the mouth. But, it depends. But it yeah, it got sweaty and there was You gross. get very hot because all the moisture from your breath is just staying inside this that plastic, plastic mask. mask. So I remembered, um, I remembered Casper the Friendly Ghost. I remember being that. But I also remember wearing a little yellow outfit. So, um, a little yellow plastic thing. But I don't know what the, the mask was. Were you a banana? Were you a Canary. Duck? Lemon? Wow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Are any of these jogging your, uh... I think it used to be... I had to call my brothers to see what they remembered. My one brother said he remembered being um, one of the Planets of the Ape. The, back in the original Planets of the Ape. Oh, that's so funny. He remembered that. That was a very popular mask set after that movie came out. Yeah, so so they got, they remembered that. Um, my, my one brother did. The other one remembered like being a ghost. Um, but none of us could really remember exactly what, what the costumes were. So Did that you... was interesting. We remembered definitely getting dressed up. And, you could, you know, there's a neighborhood that we always went. And mm-hmm. we knew everybody in it. It was just, I grew up in a small town, so we knew everybody in it. So we were, Randy, what kind of costumes did you have? One of the costumes I remember from when we lived in Ohio, again, <laughs> when I was very young, was I was a skeleton. And it was the same, you know, cheap uh, outfit, although this had actual arms and legs. So yeah, that the skeleton too, went the oh, whole way out. Gotcha. Yeah, so it, it had the long sleeves. Long sleeve long arms and legs, legs, so that gotcha. the skeleton showed up when you yep. walk and i got one halloween i woke up that morning with a horrible um uh, neck pain um so st- what we called a stiff neck but it was a horrible where i couldn't move my neck and i would get these every once in a while as a kid and it would be uh, bad enough where i wouldn't be able to go to school but that was halloween day and my mom told me i couldn't go trick-or-treating <laughs> you didn't go to school um because of the stiff neck and i was devastated because I couldn't go <laughs> trick-or-treating. So she finally agreed to let me go to, like, two houses. She uh, would let me go with her to two houses um, at, with my stiff neck. And then some people brought candy over to me since I was Aww. not able to trick-or-treating that particular Halloween. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Do you remember that we always wore our costumes to school? Yes. We always had a, a Halloween costume. Yes, you got multiple uses out of your costume, which yes. was nice. Yes. And uh, the, we have some good friends that we just had lunch with today. Mm-hmm. Out of curiosity, we were asking them what they remembered. And they're, the, they're your age? They are, your they're age. our age. Um, a little younger, actually. Uh, but one of our friends actually pulled up a photo of her and her sister in those little masks. Yes. And her sister got to be the princess. Uh-huh. But I have to say that princess was a little scary. A little scary. Yeah. <laughs> Those masks weren't. Oh wait, I mean, it was a princess with a mask. It was a mask face. A oh that, yeah, that yeah. would be scary. It's not just like oh, I'm just in this dress and nice little bonnet or whatever. No. Like oh, no, wow. no, no, no. It was a it was a mask. And then our friend had to be the witch, <laughs> and she said um, her sister was a little more dramatic and would would you know. Mm-hmm fuss more about doing stuff and she was the more agreeable one so she had to do things like be the witch her sister got to be the princess so <laughs> that was really funny but she actually pulled a picture up and do you remember um, because it got so hot in there between houses 
taking your mask and putting it up on your head. Right. Everybody, it, every kid did that. Yeah. So you walk from place to place and, and your mask would be on your head. And, and when you got there, you'd knock on the door, pull your mask down, and then get your candy. Now, when I was a little older, I also made uh, my own costumes. One year, I was a Tootsie Roll. Oh, yeah. Um, I had made a Tootsie that Roll costume. That was pretty fancy, though. That, that was pretty fancy. I was yeah. pretty proud of that. And the other year, I was a crayon. Same kind of concept of a... Um, of a large costume. tube, large <laughs> tube with, a, with some sort of top to it, and then painting the um, the logo correctly onto the outside. So that's so funny. Yes. Yeah, I, my ours were less when we got older. Ours were less fancy. Ours and less creative. Ours were um, store bought. Did you do homemade? No, when we got older, we did like the fifties. Oh, okay. Well, girls did, but boys did. My brothers were like hunters. <laughs> and they actually were Which hunters. Which is where they so, were, yeah. <laughs> so, so trick-or-treating, we we always went to the same neighborhood. But as we got older, my brothers, and this is just funny. I, I was talking to both of them, and they both mentioned this. They, they would dress up as either hunters or ghosts, something very simplistic. And one of the places they would go was a farm that was probably half a mile to a mile away. I didn't know this, but the woman who uh, lived there, Mrs. Harrop, she handed out whoopie pies, pumpkin whoopie pies at Halloween. And when my one brother got married, had a little girl, and he he still took her trick-or-treating, he would drive out to her house so that she could see his daughter. He She would save him a pumpkin whoopie pie, so she would still give it to him. But I'm like... That is a score. So for people that don't know from what a central Pennsylvania whoopie pie is. Right. What exactly is, is that? It's like, it's two, it's two cake cookies, which are incredibly good, smashed together with what, cream in them. What flavor cake? Well, this was pumpkin. Remember how I said yes, it was a pumpkin? But typically they were chocolate. A normal typically one. they are chocolate. A rich, incredible Dark chocolate. chocolate. Yes. And, and there's cream in the middle. Um, and it's it's sugary, delicious cream, and you put them together, and that's a whoopie pie. Sounds so, like a little sandwich. Yes, a, a little, little a little sandwich, sandwich. of mm-hmm. deliciousness. That's right? Very yummy. So good. So that was that was funny just to hear that they got that. I was I was really excited about the popcorn balls. Those are the remembered candy. My one brother remembered getting apples because it made him mad because he wanted candy. He didn't want the apples. <laughs> right. We could get apples anywhere. Um, so that was. Yes, I remember my favorite candy from back then were Smarties. I love the Smarties. Mm. And you got people that gave away the good candy, you know, <laughs> Snickers, Milky Ways. Do you remember Mallow Cups? Yes, I do remember. My one brother I mentioned, those. oh, he, my brother loved candy. So, my one <laughs> brother, he was like, I remember Mallow Cups. I remember, it's kind of the, the candy that you see at Cracker Barrel. There's that old-fashioned candy there. Right. There's a section. There is a whole That's section kind for of, that. That, that people get got. now, that people get now to be like trendy and stuff. And nostalgic, yeah, yeah, yeah. That retro candy mm-hmm. kind of thing. So that's what it was. It's funny. So back um, in my day, when I was younger, UNICEF did a a um, activity where for Halloween you would get a box, this little box that you uh, it was pre cut, but you still had to put it into the box shape. And when you went trick or treating, you also asked for money for UNICEF. So you would say trick or treat. And then you, after they give you your candy, I always waited until I got the candy. Then I would say, do you have any money for UNICEF? And it was Did you say help. they gave pennies or something? Yeah, it was pe- primarily pennies. This would have been in the 70s. Primarily pennies um, to put in this little box. And then you could turn the box in to UNICEF to help 
relief. It was a relief organization. Wasn't it from school? Was it a school project? Um, I think it was either school or church. Um, okay. I think they both did it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that was a big thing when we were kids. We did that for many years. Uh, and then mm-hmm. it just faded away. So I'm not actually sure whatever happened to that. But, right. Um, yeah. I don't know. We didn't. To my not my bad memory, we didn't do that that I know of. I kind of remember what, as you were talking about it. The other thing that, um, about trick-or-treating when we were kids w- was the fear that there'd be something in your candy. Yeah, we didn't have that. Yeah. So, we did when they, when they, like when we were older and other kids were trick-or-treating, that came out. But where I was from, we didn't, that wasn't a worry. So there had been news reports about pins or mm-hmm. drugs in candy. Um, back then, don't know if they were true or not, but enough of a news report where the news told parents, make sure you check your kids' candies that it wasn't pre-opened, which was actually the downfall of homemade treats. Right, it was, right? Yeah. That yeah. whole concept of, oh, I don't know where this came from, what did they put in right. this, which was very sad because homemade treats are better, my they opinion, were so good, yeah. than um, store-bought candy, but um, our, our parents would go through and check our candy. And even when you guys were kids, mm-hmm. uh, we continued yeah. that yep. practice just yeah. to say, if something was pre-open, I might be willing to eat it, but you, know, <laughs> you guys I, I totally <laughs> never even thought of that as a, as a child. I just thought that you were just looking at our candy to Let's see, what, see what we check got. out what we got. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a curiosity kind of thing. That's that was not, <laughs> not Nothing about our safety. If it was pre-open, then it had to be taken away and... It, irrelevant of who opened it so that that was our trick-or-treating and I'm, i think we did something in school like that too uh for our school party i don't know that candy was involved and we didn't trick-or-treat at school we did no, like little parades or something a like a party a parade and yes, my brothers remember that i remember yep. the parade the parade too. out of the in the hallway in the hallway and you got to see every other people's costumes yes that's and, right that is so funny yes yep. i remember that too i don't think there was like a we didn't do like um Prizes. We didn't like raise. No, 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 no. It was yeah. more like just a fun parade to see what everybody wore. Right. That particular yeah. year. So it was. Yeah. 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 It wasn't a competition. Not. Mm-hmm. We didn't all get trophies. We weren't all winners. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> it was just. It's. But speaking of parties, that's something that I wanted to talk about this uh, session as well. And uh, so Beth and I have been to. Actually, all four of us have been to and, and hosted. Um, Halloween parties uh, over the years. From the time I was a kid, um, then as a teenager, did parties then through college. We did uh, pu- uh, parties in college as a young married couple before we had kids. Yep. We hosted parties and went to parties when we had kids. Um, we had parties that were focused on the kids. Um, then as our kids became teenagers, we did a number of parties with um, the teens and then specifically for adults. So parties have always been a part of my memories when it comes to Halloween um, and I wanted to share with everybody kind of how we do our party planning because sometimes it can be daunting to somebody who hasn't had a party before kind of what are the steps to do that um, how do you do that in a way that's not overwhelming um, along the way so I'm going to outline some steps and everybody can jump in on some of their either memories or some of their thoughts on these steps uh, so first of all I have to convince Beth that we should host a party. <laughs> That's step, step one. one. <laughs> Whether or yes. not we should have a party. So I tend to plan more social uh, activities um, together than Beth does. 
Uh, so I'm kind of the person who encourages you instigate that. party. I, that's right. Yes. Parties, yes. So, instigate parties. So convincing her often means uh, showing her that we are not oversubscribed, that we don't have too many things going on already right. in that time frame. So that she knows that I know that there needs to be time to prepare uh, prior to the party. Right. Um, and it won't be too much just work for her, that it'll be work for all of us and we can all help. Right. Right? And everybody so, must help. And everybody <laughs> is involved. <laughs> once right. I agree, yeah. we right. all are part of it. Yeah. So once she agrees in concept to that, so that's step one. Step two then is to look for some date options. Um, and most importantly, to find a core uh, group of one or two couples or people that that you want to go to that if, if only they showed up, having the party would be worthwhile. That you would have fun with fun. them, uh, if the, even if they were the only one, two couples. For us, it's couples, but, you know, it could be individuals, too, um, that just by themselves, they are willing to come based on the date options you picked um, and that you guys would have fun together if, if it was just you, um, a small the group. Mm-hmm. Then once you've got that, then you kind of need to decide what type of step three, what type of party you want to have. For Halloween, um, maybe costumes are encouraged but are optional. Uh, is this a dinner party or an after-dinner party? We tend to have after-dinner parties with heavy snacks is what I would call that. Um, whether or not you do games, uh, is music going to be involved? Uh, we usually do kind of background music uh, going on for whatever type of party we have. Uh, we've gotten the typical Halloween um, CDs that have Ma- Monster Mash. and Yeah, the fun things, ones. Yeah, things like that kind of playing in the background. Um, decorations, you know, you got to think about decoration. Now, decorations for us are pretty simple because we already decorate our house pretty substantially. We're not putting out special decorations um, for the party, for the party, yeah. unless it's streamers or balloons or something like that. Just Which some we fi- usually don't do. finishing touches. Uh, but I do like to make sure everything looks good. So you know, we make sure that you know, for us, the lawn is mowed. Um, you know, the lights are all working and and that sort of thing. So uh, one of the things that uh, in that group of under this third thing of what type of party to have, I wanted to talk about um, the food. And Beth, maybe you can talk about how, like what type of foods would you have at a party? Kind of how do you involve the guests that may be coming? That sort of thing. I usually try to um, have some, like you said, heavy snacks. But sweet, balance sweets and sweet and salty, basically balancing sweet and salty snacks, and having them be substantial enough that if nobody else brought anything, again we would be fine. Right. But not so overwhelming because it's kind of like people will say, "What can I bring?" And if they ask, then I would I will say something like, um, "Bring anything you like." Right. We're doing snacks, anything you would like. Right. And a lot of times it's, it's um, you know, if you have a couple of heavy snacks that are like, that have are protein, like meats or things like that, mm-hmm. or you have a a, uh, a a large dip of some sort, like a Mexican layer dip or right. something like Which that. Which is common, yeah. Um, then when somebody says, uh, could I bring something, and because people like to be mm-hmm. connected, um, then... You can at least give them the option of a dessert versus a, another snack based on what you've heard other people say. So you can right. direct it if that's helpful uh, right. along the way. Mm-hmm. And if I know somebody 
if I happen to genuinely know somebody is really busy, it's 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 okay for me. Right. I'll say, you know what? If you want to bring something, that's fine. But it's okay not to. Don't right. worry about mm-hmm. it. Just come. You'll be, you know, having you there is the important thing. And generally, over the years, you have like kind of created these almost master lists of heavier snacks that you can have an option instead of having to kind of recreate the wheel you can at least pull some okay here are generally some things that we have liked other people have liked over the years let's right. use maybe two to three of these and see right. what else people bring right. right right and i think that it has become easier because now you have like a repertoire and even our friends have a list more or less of we kind of know what they will probably bring at least you know the, the core friends mm-hmm. and you kind of know what you're going to make so it ends up if you do things over the years consistently then that actually becomes a helpful part of the process right. to to know what right but you can always try new things like you just mm-hmm. tried those new cookies and right. they were awesome so that's also important and it is some kind of fun to put something new in the mix right, right. experimental yeah especially yeah and google something or go on pinterest mm-hmm. and see what other people have done those those are very helpful right to add places. something a little mm-hmm. bit different yep. and Mm-hmm. Kind of like the, the favorites that people know and like, but then also put some new things out there. Mm-hmm. So step four along the way is who to invite beyond that core group that you've um, already invited. So that is, first of all, figuring out how many people you are maximum right. able to host. Right. Um, so this, um, you want to think about that. You want to uh, ask you know, close friends, new people, extended friends, you know, kind of think about who, who you will invite. A lot of times, it's you know, you there are certain people that you've done a number of things with throughout the year, and sometimes it's the same people, and sometimes there's new people. There's usually some new people. Yeah, we usually have new people and right. uh, current friends as well. So yeah, right along the way, and we always ask for an RSVP, but don't expect to get one. So <laughs> hope um, to get one. Right. <laughs> so you need to figure out a range again. The the number. Some years we we ask for RSVPs, and you get very few. Um, and we've had years where, um, even though we got very few RSVPs, everybody showed up. Right. right. They tell you, usually you hear, oh, plan on two-thirds of your um, list right. coming. But you really shouldn't do that. Right. Because you don't know. Right. All you of them can, yes, you have, have to be ready for all of them. You have to be ready for all of them. Right. Or for none of them. Right, other than your core group. That other than your core group, right. That's yeah. exactly right. Which was, right. Uh, again, which you're going to have fun anyway. Right. Which so is, it's, worth the, it's worth your right. time anyway. Your time and investment in energy and creativity and it's still mm-hmm. going to be fun. Right. And think about also if you do suddenly get a bunch of RSVPs that are negative, can't, people can't make it, extending the invitation to others. So you may want to think about others that, okay, if we have some room, I'd like to invite these people as well. So we've done that um, as well. Um, and then send invitations out. I like to send them out four to six weeks before the date to give everybody a chance to plan. These are busy times of the year for people, both the fall and you know, we also do Christmas parties. So giving them maximum time to see the date, to plan around other activities helps. And that also gives you a chance because you probably see these people on some regular basis to ask them in person if you haven't heard back from them from an RSVP, are you able to attend? So that's um, that's helpful as well. So that's number four. Number five are games. I want to talk a little bit about games. Um, so uh, with you games, are the game master. Yeah. So specifically, we're talking about um, group games. Group games for adults. Um, there are. So the fifth area 
that I want to talk about is games. And this is games um, for adults in group settings primarily. Um, there are a number of other types of parties, games for um, when you have little kids, games for teens, um, games when you're college age kids. Yep. And we can talk about that other times. But um, because primarily what we plan right now is parties with adults for adults, um, I want to spend a little bit of time on that. So one thing is to consider, is this an indoor and outdoor party? Um, if it's an outdoor party because you're inviting a lot of guests, you need to think about what if it rains that day? What if the um, weather's not good? Uh, can you move the entire thing inside? So that's something to plan for and think about ahead of time. We've had several um, parties where the weather suddenly turned on us, turned bad, and we needed to decide, do we need to cancel, postpone? What do we need to do? And we have had both of those options. We've canceled um, because of really bad weather before. Usually we've, snow, something that was, yes, people just we've can't We've postponed get. if there was another date that was going to work um, by a week or so. And, of course, some people that were able to come now couldn't come, things like that. Exactly. So, uh, but something about, uh, um, something I want to talk about specifically in this section is group games. So a lot of times what we do, uh, what I do is I take classic adult group games and I customize them for the specific holiday. So some simple options that you can do that with are a Pictionary. Um, you can create, in this case for Halloween, you can, depending on your audience, you can pick titles of movies, TV shows, books, um, whatever it may costumes. be. You can do costumes, um, things like that. Um, just items from the holidays right. that you can create your own Pictionary cards for um, and create teams to do that. You can do the same thing with catchphrase. The old catchphrase had circular um, templates that went inside. They weren't digital like the newer one. And we would actually create circular um, catchphrase items that fit inside the machine that were based on the holiday of choice. You could do the same thing with charades and create uh, that. A few other games, though, that I enjoy is creating a photo scavenger hunt. Because we decorate quite a bit, um, and people don't really mill around necessarily to check out all of your um, decorations, I like to create photo scavenger hunts where teams of people, you know, one or I mean, two or three people, um, have a sheet of paper with photos where I've taken a close-up photo of a, a really close-up photo of a mm -hmm. portion of a decoration mm -hmm. or something that's in the house. And people have to go find where that thing is at. So, that's been really fun. Yes. That is a lot of fun. People, yeah. and especially the teams, get a kick out of it. Mm -hmm. And you're bumping into other teams and kind of looking where they might be looking. Yeah. And it's, it's a fun thing. Right. Right. That's worked out really well. Another game is, uh, is creating trivia um, games where you can do that either in teams of two, three, or, or if you can divide the group in half, you can do that as well. Where you come up with a list of holiday trivia items about, again, music, TV, movies, history, whatever it may be. Um, these are often easy to find on Google. If you just search on Google for um, holiday trivia games, uh, a number of free sites come up where you can um, pull off of. And I've actually used the same thing for work, even. Um, if people like to know interesting trivia facts about the holidays um, uh, from all over the world. Another game that I play um, for the holidays is is the paper on paper plate on the head game, where um, I create a scene 
that people have to draw. They put a paper plate on their head and they have a pen. That works. And that works. And I tell them what to draw and they can't look at what they're drawing. The paper plate stays on their head and they have to imagine where they're drawing and they create a scene based on what I tell them to do. And Mm -hmm. then I give them points based on how well they're able to do the scene. You know, if it's a draw a scarecrow, draw a pumpkin next to the scarecrow. Well, if the pumpkin is as uh, right next to the scarecrow, they get a point. But if it's below or above the scarecrow, they don't get a point. Uh, things like that where you can create little scenes for them to um, play with. So, Which is also a lot of fun. You can also do two, two truths and a lie with a holiday uh, theme to that. Um, so there's just a number of games that you can you can create that are holiday focused. So what I typically try to do is plan for two or three group games at most and then be flexible based on how the group dynamics are. Mm-hmm. Um, and what time you have and when you right. start. Right. And and whether or not people seem to be into the idea of a game or not. You do one and see if people are kind of lingering for the next one and do we another have, one. We almost always have at least two. Yeah, I think a lot of times we end up with three. Yeah. Um, but I usually and, plan but for... Pe- and, but I think that's a key for, um, for your parties, for our parties. Your games are something that are unique. Not everybody... A lot of times when people have parties, they are mingling parties. Right. And that's great. Mingling parties are great. But not everybody has games, so it's a lot of fun for people. Right. To come and actually play games together. Right. And I know that some of our friends are introverts and games give them a little bit of an easier way to meet some other people right. without being too in your face um, right. Yeah, forcing that. So um, other things to do, I often can, um, add in cheap holiday theme prizes. It could be food prizes. It could mm-hmm. be just cheap decorations. People yeah. seem to like to get something yeah, they when like they win. They like yeah. that no matter how, it, the prize doesn't matter. It's, it could be ridiculously cheap, um, but it's just the concept of getting something right. they enjoy. Um, yeah. A lot of these same kind of ideas and concepts can be used with parties for older teens as well. And at some point, we'll talk about uh, party planning for um, uh, other um, environments or other group areas like having children um, along the way. You can also do passive games uh, like guessing games. How, how much how much candy's in a jar or candy corn corn is in a jar? Things mm-hmm. like that. So um, so that's just some ideas on how we party plan here at at our house, and um, uh, hopefully that'll help you as well as you plan for parties in your future. So I think we're out of time for this particular podcast. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week. So Bye. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. And don't forget, we have Instagram at Holiday Moons and Twitter, Holiday underscore Moons. Goodbye.